Are you a business owner worried about the safety of your sensitive data? Look no further than Midwest Data Depot, your local off-site backup storage solution. Contact us today. Call 574-855-8588. Budweiser's weekday sports beat rolls on on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. Joined right now by Brian Driscoll. From irishbreakdown.com, how are you today? I'm doing great. I've been sneezing for the last hour. So I was going to say, a little weird. I was, I, we were talking off the air. It sounded like yeah, maybe you're coming I, down with a little something well, you over know, there. I've never had allergies before, but I feel like the last couple days I felt like like my wife does when she starts getting allergies, like yeah. where you're just constantly congested and like sneezing a ton. But I'm not sick. It's very strange. I've had the uh, like I've had the sinus drain <laughs> myself. Yeah, it's a little weird. So yeah, it's yeah. A little weird. That's a lot of fun so far. But I'm still sharp, baby. I'm ready to talk some ball. We can talk basketball if you want to today. I think. A little yeah, bit. I mean, we got this news about Blake Wesley today. I, I'm curious, you know, and and for for our listeners maybe who weren't with me in the first segment or at the top of the hour, Mike Bray said on a radio show in Chicago today that Blake Wesley is going to test the NBA waters. Um, he's got until June 1st to either fully declare for the draft. You know, he'll go through the draft workout process and all that kind of stuff, so he can either fully declare for the NBA draft or pull his name out and come back to school. What uh, What do you think of the whole situation? Well, I mean, I, I think with basically what the NBA draft has turned into, it makes sense for Blake Wesley to go pro, depending on which mock drafts you look at. You know, I've seen some that have him in the top 15 to 20. I've seen some at the bottom of the first round. And the NBA draft, more than any other any other draft that I follow, of the sports I follow, is so much about potential. I mean, you could be a guy that doesn't score 10 points a game and go in the top 10. I mean, it, it really is just a... It's an unfortunate thing, and you know it's this era of hey, look, you got to get out as quickly as you can so you can get to your second contract as qu- quickly as you can. And my take is always, well, what if your game's not developed, and you're not going to be as valuable when your second contract comes? You know, so maybe put it off a year, and you know, continue to develop your game, continue to improve your jump shot, con- continue to improve your decision making, continue to improve your ability to play in big games, and and next year instead of being the twentieth pick, you can be a top ten pick, uh, but. You know, it's it's uh, it's an unfortunate thing, but I mean, I think the postseason showed Sean that his game still needs a ton of work. You know, he had the great finish against Alabama, but if you go back to the ACC tournament, he was not very good. wasn't He was pretty awful against Rutgers, especially down the stretch. Right, and he was pretty bad against Texas Tech when it, at least scoring wise. You know, I thought you know rebounded well and, and played decent, def- pretty good defense. But you know, his offensive game needs a lot of work, but he's got a ton of potential. And that's why he's going to get drafted. And that's what the NBA draft has turned into now. Well, and it's interesting because, of course, Mike Bray was saying that he's going to test the waters. But then you sent me this article. As I was kind of working on finding the Mike Bray audio that I played, uh, you sent me this story from ESPN.com. And he is here's the quote that he told ESPN. Quote, I plan on staying in the draft. I'm in a great position. I'm ready for the NBA. I'm ready to start my next journey end quote so he is saying that you know while his coach was saying he's going to test the waters and he just and Bray just said he must uh, met with Wesley and the family yesterday Wesley is is uh, quoted as saying he plans on staying in the draft so very as interesting. long as he doesn't hire an agent I'm okay with him having that mentality 
I really am. As long as he stays eligible to come back, it's kind of like if you're not fully invested in the draft process. Hey, I'm in it. I'm going to I'm going to work. I'm going to improve my game. I'm going to go to this tryout. I'm going to go to this until that time comes where you have to make your decision. You need to be all in and you're not or the NBA's not going to see the best version of you. Yeah. As long as he maintains that open line to come back if things aren't going well or if he starts getting feedback about, you know, hey, look, you're going to be in the 20s. You may be a second round guy. You know, how you finished is this, or people are worried about that. As long as he keeps that potential to come back there, I'm okay with him having the mentality of, I'm going to go get ready for this. I'm ready for this next journey. He's going to have to have that mentality if he's going to have a great offseason and position himself to be picked high in the draft. Because I think the most important thing is he can have that mentality, but he also still needs to listen to whatever feedback that he gets right. from these people. And if, you know, right. and if it's looking like he's not going – because I was – you know, breaking it down, the difference between being a lottery pick and being drafted in the bottom third of the draft, which is essentially where he's projected, he's projected around mm-hmm. 20, which is, you know, still the bottom third. But you're talking about essentially like five to seven million dollars a year difference, which over right. the span of a rookie contract is 15 to 20 plus million dollars. So, you know, there's there's a big difference there being oh, yeah. a lottery pick and being picked at the bottom end of the first round. Yeah, I mean, if you look at last year, I mean, the total contract for the guys taken in the the top, like, see, about eight or nine was $20 million. Then you get down to the bottom of the draft, and last five guys, it's around 10, mm-hmm. you know? And so, you know, that's a, that's a big jump. And then, uh, you know, it just – and then it's also about, okay, where's your game? Where's your level of development right now in regards to being able to kind of go out and take your game to the next level? And, and I think a guy that, that if I were to be advising – you know Blake Wesley, a guy that I would kind of point to is is Franz Franz Wagner from Michigan, and you know he was a guy that people are actually talking about maybe coming out after his freshman year, even though he didn't put up like monster numbers as a freshman at Michigan. You know, he was a good player, uh, you know, but he averaged eleven point six points, and you know I, I think Blake Wesley is a little bit better prospect than him, but his game really developed that second year at Michigan. You know, he shot better. He's a better decision maker. He was a better rebounder. He tripled his assist margin. Yeah. He lowered his turnover ratio. And he, even though he only averaged 12 and a half points per game, he went in the top 10. And, you know, when I, when I look at Blake Wesley and, you know, he's not quite as long as, as, as Franz Wagner, but, you know, I think that's the kind of similar jump that I think he can make if he were to come back and be dedicated to really, you know, improving his all around game and, and the especially the way the guards develop under Mike Bray. Uh, you know, I think that would be good for him. But like you said, as long as he keeps that lines of communication open and, and it takes that feedback, then I think – because that's what Va- Wagner did. I yeah, mean, I believe he exactly. tested the waters after his freshman year, and he was getting, you know, late first-round feedback. He went back to school, and next thing you know, he's – what was he? I think he was like eighth or ninth, right, last Sounds year? Sounds right. Which, yeah. which is a pretty big jump. And, you know, and, and again, he averaged 12 points a game as you know in, in high school or in college. Uh, you know, but his game in the NBA was was much more ready. He averaged 15 points a game this year in the NBA, 4.6 rebounds. So he, even though he's a year behind in regards to getting that second year contract, his game was so much better prepared for him to now go out and be successful. So there's a chance for him to be even more valuable uh, with that second contract and get more money that way too. What would you think? Would you like to see football have a process like this where you can no. you know sort of test and, oh, yes. and come back? Here's the problem with football, Sean, is because of the the timing of the draft. Like I know. The, the NBA, I was NBA, thinking the yeah, same thing. Right. The NBA draft happens, and this whole process happens. It doesn't interfere with basketball at all. 
where if guys are going to be, let's just say hypothetically, Kyron Williams had had kept the that this was available in in college football, and Kyron Williams was able to kind of test the NFL draft, right? And let's say in two weeks that process comes where he can kind of withdraw. Well, he's now missed out on the entire offseason with his teammates, right? So no work, no winter workouts, no developing in part of your team, no no being through the spring, which may not hurt Kyron's ability, but it hurts your team, in my opinion, because he wasn't around, he wasn't putting in the same work, he wasn't investing with you. All the running backs that were here were putting in the work, now all of a sudden they're getting pushed down the depth chart because he's back. It just doesn't make a lot of sense in football, yeah. Uh, unless it's going to be a much sooner process, you know, where maybe by the end of February you have to make that decision. Uh, that's about the only way I think it would work, which I wouldn't be opposed to. I, I really wouldn't. Like if, hey, you know, move the combine up to to February, move maybe some of the pro days up a little bit earlier, and you know, be able to kind of go through that process to where before your you know March first, because most springs start in March, not all. Some start earlier in those southern states with beautiful weather, <laughs> but uh, most start in you know March and go through April. If you could get it to where the the decision has to be made before spring ball starts, then I'd be much more open to having that conversation about the NFL allowing in college college life. especially now these kids that more you know they have to have agents now, right. And that's you know, just I mean, just what you know the way you've, it's just the calendars you know in in football everyone right. you know college wants to have their spring practice and the NFL's not going to budge on their draft and push that back any farther right. because they want their OTAs and their mini camps and all that right. stuff so yeah right. it's tough it's tough it'd have to be a sped up process yep Brian Driscoll from IrishBreakdown.com we talked the other day about. Dante Moore, everyone's favorite five-star quarterback who spent a lot of time on campus this week. Any uh, any any rumblings, any feedback on how things went? It's been eerily quiet, to be completely honest with you. I mean, other than, hey, look, it went great, and he loved it. The staff feels great about where things stand. Uh, you know, it just the, it's just a typical, oh, it's great, it's awesome, it went great, we loved it, he loved it, everything is good. We haven't got a whole lot other than that, and – you know, there's still some uncertainty about a couple of visits he was going to make and whether he's going to make those now. So it's been kind of eerily quiet, more so than normal. You know, some of the people that I normally call and they pick up their phone and, and, and give me information are, you know, not picking up the phone to the last mm. 24 hours. So mm. um, very curious. But that's usually, I mean, I, that usually is, is ends up being a good sign. But we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But I, I, I still feel Notre Dame is, and I felt this for a while, Notre Dame is in great shape when it comes to Dante Moore. It's, it's, to me, it's more about a matter of when, not necessarily if at this point in time. Well, has he laid out a timeline of when he would like to announce his commitment, any of that kind of stuff, if you heard He anything? has given multiple different answers for that. I mean, okay. that's, that's the thing. And Dante's good at this. A lot of these kids are, because of the way that recruiting is covered now, <laughs> right, they have to. Otherwise... You know, there's going to be 87 crystal balls, and there's no suspense for your decision, and there's all those type of things, and it takes a lot of the, the joy of what these kids are trying to do away. A lot of these kids know how to play the game, you know, and, and my understanding talking to sources is that they expect it to be him to make a decision, you know, by the end of April, but, you know, Dante could always decide to push this back. I think the big concern now, people ask me, who's the number two team? I was like, there really isn't one. It's Notre Dame or he's going to just continue to push this process back because he's not necessarily sold on Notre Dame, and then be open to another school, even though I don't know if that second school has presented itself at this point in time. NFL just changed its overtime rule for the postseason yesterday. Now, I know you and I have talked about the the overtime rules, you know, before. Does college, they went to this two-point shootout 
last year? Do they do they just need to get rid of that and go back to the system they had before? What what would you do with overtime in college? I think it speaks volumes about your character when you can admit you've made a mistake and change it quickly. <laughs> and that's what the NCAA needs to do. That was the stupidest thing ever. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've said before, they, they can't have the, the college rule the way that it is now. I don't think going back to the way that it was before works either because they are concerned about, you know, time of games and, you know, all these type of snaps and all this other kind of stuff. I will still contend that what they need to do is adopt the old college rule, but just move it back 15 to 20 yards. You know, start at midfield or start at the 40, where you've got to get a first down right. before you can be in scoring position. And, you know, I think if you do that, then I think it puts even more value on having a good kicker. Uh, but more so, it, it you, you the odds of two teams starting at the 40 and keep scoring touchdowns is going to be greatly diminished. And I think that would be something that, like I said before, right now you could start at the 25, not gain a yard, and you're at a, you're sitting there at a 43-yard field goal, which is makeable for a lot of kickers. Right. You know, where you've got to at least get a first down before you're in that situation. That's that's what I still think they should do. I, I like the college NFL. I, I like the format of it. It's just It just needs some tinkering. Tweak it I, a little I, bit. I like, yeah. yeah, exactly. I, I like it a whole lot more than the NFL. But I just think it just, you know, tinker with it as opposed to just this nonsense of – you know these two point shootouts and all this other yeah. ridiculousness. That was stupid. That was. It was. It's the NCAA though, so I mean, what do you expect? Very true. I mean, that's very that's true. That's what they do: stupid decisions and stupid rules. I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Pitt. You know they won the ACC championship. Pitt football, of course, I'm talking about, and they just announced a contract extension with Pat Narduzzi, that's going to run through 2030, and to me. It says, oh, you know, we're okay with just being a pretty good program. What do you think? A hundred percent agree with you. And, you know, the fact that they're not smart enough to realize that he had his first non-bad season in the year of the (laughs) ACC stunk. I mean, this is, this is, he is so consistently mediocre. It's not even funny. I mean, this is Pat Narduzzi's record at Pitt before this year. Eight and five, eight and five, five and seven, seven and seven, eight and five, six and five. That's been his record at Pitt. And then the one year where, you know, Miami's down and Clemson is down and all these other programs, and they have a generational quarterback, which they also had. Yeah. They go 11-3 and three and, and still get beat by Michigan State in a bowl game, you know, still still getting, you know, embarrass themselves at home against Miami. Still stinking loss at home to Western Michigan. <laughs> if they don't lose at home to Western Michigan, they might have a case for the playoff, you know, and that, res- you know, that, that right there is going to result in him getting a contract extension for like a decade. You are correct. Hey, we are perfectly fine not sucking. Yeah. That's our standard here at Pitt. Not, don't suck. As long as you don't stink, we're happy with what you're doing. Plus, he's not a really nice guy. I'm not overly fond of Pat Narduzzi yeah. as a person either. Never been uh, high on yeah, myself either. He, so. he's, been a, he's been mediocre for uh, his whole career. I mean, he, he's, going, he's in year seven. Like, Mel Tucker did what he did in year two. Right. Right? Like, so there's a little bit more like, oh, wow, like Coach Tucker did a great job. He inherited a program that was a mess, and he was able to get that sucker turned around fast. And and you know and then goes out and beats Narduzzi in a bowl game. I mean, he did in year two what it took you know Pat Narduzzi seven years to do. And so yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right that the statement it says is that we are perfectly fine being above average as long as you don't stink. We'll reward you, Pitt. All right, Brian. What else is going on at IrishBreakdown.com right now? Well, I got a I got an interesting article out today, Sean, and it's got some linebacker recruiting updates on it, and it talks about the really just 
Notre Dame's going to face some really good quarterbacks next year on defense. <laughs> and, and then also, um, just, you know, the whole position U, QBU, O-line U, tight end U, just kind of rank the positions on defense of most important to develop that, you know, DNU or linebacker U or cornerback U. I kind of talk about that and which ones I think are most important for Notre Dame if they're going to really, like, build themselves into a, a – a yearly annual championship title contender. What would it? What were the positions that are most important to being great at in that? In Sounds that good. Climb. Sounds yeah. good to me. Brian Driscoll, Breakdown.com. So. All right, <laughs> have to check it out. All right, buddy. I will talk to you later. Thanks, Sean. Okay, take care. Brian Driscoll, IrishBreakdown.com. Vince D'Addario, another IrishBreakdown.com slash WSBT guy, is going to join me in the six o'clock hour. Tonight, we've got all kinds of rapid-fire topics coming up for you, and I've got more Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat coming up next. Are you a business owner worried about the safety of your sensitive data? Look no further than Midwest Data Depot, your local off-site backup storage solution. Contact us today. Call 574-855-8588.